Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. And he's got a lot of easy throws to make. The game's easy for Stroud. He makes it look easy, and the game is easy. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. And if I sound a little bit different, that's because I'm doing this from the comforts of my own home. Uh, a little bit of construction we yeah. got going on over at a, at home base at the Circa Resort and Casino. So uh, uh, I got the call from our from our buddy Elliot here, our producer, saying, hey, you can just stay home today. And I was literally like five minutes out from stepping out the door. So uh, I guess it was fortuitous that I was running a little bit behind getting to do this at home. But uh, how are you doing, Michael? Fun day of football we saw yesterday. Yeah, it was a fun day of football. I mean, wow, what a day. You know, I love that cowboy blanket there. I mean, we saw some good. We saw some bad. We saw some ugly. You know, there's a lot of, lot of uh, you know, what is that Bob Seger song, Working on Mysteries Without Any Clues? I mean, there were a lot of mysteries yesterday. Like, how did Tommy DeVito become the starting quarterback in an NFL game? I don't know how that happened. How did I not recommend Dallas? I mean, the more you thought about that, like, holy shit. Like, yeah. He, even if you spot them 20, they're not going to win, right? You know, and then mm. last night, another Raider game. I mean, wow. I mean, it was unbelievable, right? So it was the back and forth, the Chargers, Lions, that was back and forth. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it was a great weekend. I mean, it's always fun to sit on the couch, listen to Big Daddy talk about everything. that. I mean, the beautiful thing about watching a game with Big Daddy is no matter what the outcome of the play is, he's got a negative tone to it. Last night I was, you know, and then he, everything ties back to the draft, you know. Yep. Everything ties back to the draft. And then when you watch the highlights of the game after the game, he's got more commentary along the negativity. It's just really it, – it, it's it should be recorded. And Millie keeps saying to me, you got to get him on the pod. People think he probably doesn't exist, you know. And I kind of think I, it, it might be time to bring him out of the closet. I mean, it's not – I mean, because these opinions are just are – just, they just run. They just run. And I never see him watch a tape. You know, he's in and out of the game. Like, he's not even watching the whole game. But when he can come back in, he's got some comment on the play. It, it's, it's, it, you know, I tease you about watching four games. This guy's uh-huh. at another level now. I mean, this guy's at another <laughs> level than all of us. He, he watches about 12 plays and then is able to kind of figure he out what's going on. can conclude everything, you know. I mean, why didn't he throw it there? What happened to that? You know, bada bing, bada boom. You know, he should have done this. He should have done that. You know, it's like, okay, I got it. You know, maybe, you know, the flat, the guy saw the guy in the flat, you know. And then, of course, you know, at the end of the Packer game with the Steelers, he's like, oh, they're never going to come back. I mean, they're making a drive. So, anyway, it, it, it was – I got more Sundays. I can't. I can't wait until everybody can experience this game with him. It's just – and he's texting his son, the doctor in Pittsburgh, my man Nick. I love mm-hmm. him to death. He's texting him, and it's kind of like a negative harmony. It's just like it's it's so positive, you know, and then the player comes up that the Packers didn't take, and poor Goot, he gets the shit kicked out oh. of him. I mean, a poor bastard. He gets killed. Everything's his mistake, you know. 
Well, uh, maybe when the Packers are mathematically eliminated, we'll have Big Daddy on to give us kind of the official eulogy of the Green Bay Packers in 2023. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's funny. I was doing the show yesterday with uh, Ben Wilson and Kelly Bidlin here at VEASAN, and we were talking about that Giants-Cowboys game, and we kind of said like a just a half-joking market on, will we see Matt Barkley at some point in this game? And I said I was like 100% certain that he was going to come in based on what the Giants were doing offensively, but they stuck with Tommy DeVito in that blowout that we don't really need to spend too much time on since that was kind of yeah, honestly no, felt like no. a little bit of a fake game. I mean, he, how about uh, that when they challenged the first play of the game? A four-yard game, you're going to challenge that? Like, seriously. Like, who's Desperate. advising the head coach? Well, we got to challenge four-yard gain. I mean, when I hear that, I think about when, when, when we were in a preseason game and Nick Saban was going crazy after they gained four yards and Belichick says, Nick, calm down. They only gained four <laughs> fucking yards, you know, in his monotone voice, right? Like, well, who cares if they get four yards in the first play of the game? I mean, the game ain't over then, right? <laughs> yeah. it, it was a sign of desperation for the New York Giants who are grasping at straws uh, one play into the game here. But let's get to the good stuff, though, because the AFC North provided us with some awesome games and probably – the win of the week, I would say, from the Houston Texans beating the Cincinnati Bengals 30-27. to This was a Bengals team that was red hot. They were the talk of the league over the past couple weeks after wins against the 49ers and the Buffalo Bills. And here comes this upstart Houston team with a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud that's not playing like a rookie. He's playing like one of the best guys in was Danny O right? Should he be in the MVP conversation? What's going on with this thing? But uh, Houston beating. I don't the think Mr. Haney's ever right. I don't think he's ever right. <laughs> but I think the kid deserves a ton of credit. I think he's the rookie of the year. I think there's no question. I yeah. think one of the things that I've been saying this about Cincinnati, and when you watch them and, and you watch their defense, and I said this handicap in the game, but what kept me away from taking Houston in the game was their injury report, right? I mean, their injury report mm-hmm. was somewhat concerning. And they were losing a lot of their good defensive players. But when you watch this team after the bye week, I mean, they gave up a ton of yards to San Francisco, right? I mean, Buffalo moved the ball on them. They just didn't have it long enough. And then yesterday, yep. I thought Stroud, Stroud, Stroud's ability to make plays off scripted. And you've got to mm-hmm. give credit to the, the – to, I mean, you're talking about a new offensive coordinator, right? I mean, you're talking about D'Amico Ryans hires Bobby Slovic to come in there – and I got to say this. I think, I think Stroud's great. Don't get me wrong. But he's got a lot of easy throws, Femi. He's got a lot of easy throws to make. The game's easy for Stroud. He makes it look easy, and the game is easy. And all this, you know, Noah Brown. It's your guy from the Cowboys, Noah Brown. Yeah. He's wide-ass open. He's wide-ass open. And, you know, and for me, I just think to me they, they played – I mean, he's played really well, and, and certainly he's exceeded everyone's expectations, I think, especially considering the first play of this summer when he wouldn't even throw the ball in the out, how far he's come. And coachability matters, right? I mean, he's coachable. The kid's taking coaching, and, and all that bullshit about that test that he didn't do well on, I think we could put that to bed now. Yeah, I think the the creators of the S2 test, the kids say they must be down bad right now because uh, I think the C.J. Stroud as a testimony is kind of uh, pushed that off to the side a little bit here with the S2 test and its relevancy. But the point that you bring up, though, about C.J. Stroud off script and the plays that he makes, I think that's really, really interesting because that was sort of the knock on him back when he was at Ohio State until the Georgia game, the last game of his career as a Buckeye when he kind of did some off script stuff. But everybody said that he's a pure pocket guy. He's not going to be too much mobile and all that stuff, but he's shown to be a creator and kind of making the second play within the play. 
Yeah, and, and, and his eye level's down. I think if you watch Milrow, right, for Alabama, if you watch Milrow early in the year, when he would run, he would run. Like, he was never looking to make a play on the move. And now when you watch Milrow, his eyes are up and he's moving around and he's trying to make a play down the field. And I think it's the same thing with Stroud. I mean, he hits Noah Brown for a huge gain. He kind of pivots around. The protection breaks down. And he looks like he's throwing it up in the air. And there's Noah Brown there, wide-ass open, and he makes the play. Uh, You know, I mean, the fact that they got 150 yards rushing out of Singletary, they carried it. I mean, Pierce had been struggling to run the ball for this team. And they got 150 yards out of Singletary running – and, you know, Dell wasn't the guy that beat him. It was Noah Brown. Noah Brown and Del- Noah Brown beat him. It wasn't Robert Woods. It was Dalton Schultz and Noah Brown. And give this, I mean, I think Slovak's done a remarkable, look, for. I think D'Amico's done a remarkable job, right? He's come mm-hmm. in with his program. He's set it up. He's got, they're fast on defense. I wouldn't say they're overly talented on defense, but Green, Greenwood, I think it is, he's a really good player Bernard, for them. The yeah. other end, you know, the other end from, uh, from Will Anderson, he's really good, and they're fast. And so, you know, I mean, they, they, they wore them down. They wore them down, and they were fortunate to get back into the game. They really yeah. were fortunate, the Bengals I'm talking about, to get back in the game. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of – It was a fun watch, though. That was a fun game to watch. Yeah, it was I a mean, fun game. I mean, especially when you think about it, you got Lou Amarolo, uh, Amarolo on defense, right? And the fact that Stroud was so good on third down. I mean, he's, you know, he was able to overcome being bad on third down. They were only 30% on third down in the game. And yet they were able to make plays and gain 544 yards. I mean, if you tell me before the game they're going to hold Houston for four for 13 on third down, you say, well, okay. They had 28 first downs in the game, Femi. I mean, they were playing Canadian football and still had 13 third downs. That, that's that Canadian football we talk about getting first downs on early downs. CJ Stroud, the back-to-back weeks, setting up a game-winning uh, drive there. And so that's what we talked about, the game-winning TD drive against Tampa last week. Now this one to set up the field goal, Matt Amendola being able to make it. He now has the third most passing yards through his first nine starts in league history, has 2,626 passing yards, only trails Justin Herbert and Andrew Luck, who passed for more yards in their first nine games. And the more you watch this Houston Texans team, the more I think – hey, man, maybe we should not be handing out this AFC South title to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Maybe Houston's going to come and snatch this thing because this team looks pretty good. They've already beaten Jacksonville, and now they get them at home in a couple of weeks. But we'll have time to kind of break that down. Want to start, though. I I think this game was really important, though, too, and it hasn't been mentioned is the fact that, you know, let's just say Baltimore wins the North, and there's that fight for that seventh seed, right? I mean – Beating Cincy for that seven right now, Cincy's not in it. Cincy and Buffalo right now are not in it. They're eight and nine on the season. Can you imagine? But that's huge. That's huge. That win will come down. It could potentially come down to hurt them. You know, uh, that win could hurt uh, that loss hurt Cincinnati. I mean, think about it, right? I mean, so and now they got the short week to go into Baltimore. Wow. And they're a little bit banged up. T. Higgins, I doubt we see him play. Trey Hendrickson kind of like on a freak accident play at he the end hurt. of the game. Yeah, it looks like he's hurt. So and we'll Hubbard see what didn't his play status. either. They yeah. couldn't get much pressure, really. They couldn't get much pressure on Stroud. Stroud had time. But again, I, I think the way they set this offense up, they repeat plays. They do a nice job of moving people around. They run the same play. It's a little bit of what the Joe Gibbs concept offense was when Gibbs was great. We're going to run very few plays, but we're doing it from different looks with different people. 
And so the execution's always going to be the same for the quarterback. And, and he's been pinpoint accurate with his throws. And his poise is outstanding. I mean, it's really good. And look, credit the whole staff, all of them. They're good in the kicking game. They're really good in the kicking game. They're, you know, their defense is opportunistic. They run to the ball. So, you know, and, and I was concerned about him playing on the road. He hadn't played very well. Like when they played in Carolina, this wasn't the same team we saw yesterday. Yeah, it shows you the NFL is a week-to-week league because they did lose to those Carolina Panthers who look horrendous as we saw this past Thursday. But Cincinnati, the defense obviously has under a lot of scrutiny, giving up 544 yards. Their offensive line also did not hold up that well against the Houston Texans. Burrow was under duress. I mean, how about the day for Sheldon Rankins on the interior? Three sacks oh, he killed for the Houston inside. Texans defensive tackle. Like they, they were up in Burrow's face all game long. And that Bengals offensive line that we've talked about having some problems, they crept up once again here in this game. And now, like you mentioned, short week, Thursday night football at Baltimore, a Ravens team looking to bounce back after what we saw yesterday. We will get into that game as the Browns come from behind to beat Baltimore. This is the GM Show. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Wow, it was a tale of two halves, Michael, in Baltimore with the Cleveland Browns coming from behind and stunning the Baltimore Ravens, 33-31. to Massive victory for Cleveland as they improved to 6-3 and and try to keep their hopes alive of winning the AFC North. Baltimore comes back to the pack after we crowned them as the best team in the league last week. They come back to the pack here. And I get that Baltimore had 31 points, but I, kudos to that Browns defense for just keeping them in the football game when it looked like it might get away from them. And Cleveland ultimately gets the victory. And Deshaun Watson in the second half, I thought, played much better than he did in the first half. Well, he went 14 for 14 in the second half. He didn't throw an incomplete pass. Yeah. You know, and he ran around. He moved around in the pocket. I mean, he was able to make plays with his feet. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, when you play the Ravens, you know, they're 31st in the league in rushing and passing attempts. As good as Lamar can be at times, they are still centered on their ability to run the football. And yesterday they couldn't run the ball. I mean, you can't run the ball on the Schwartz defense. And so they had 24 carries for 106, but 39 of them came on the one run. And so they can't get that thing going. You know, they're up 
31 to 17 with with 11 minutes to go in the fourth quarter and they blow this fourth quarter lead again. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is one that's going to haunt them forever and you know, I, I mean, Watson had 34 attempts for 213 yards. It was his best game as a Brown, but I'm not sure it was a great game, right? You know, like it wasn't yeah. like, oh my gosh, credit the Brown their their ability to run the ball. They had 38 carries for buck 78. And their ability to convert third down. I, what I was impressed with watching the game again this morning was they were never going to get off their run game. They were never going to get off their run game. They were going to keep running the ball. They were going to keep pounding the rock. And, I mean, they were 50% on third down, Femi. And they held – Baltimore only was in third down eight times, and they only converted two of them. So that was the game. And, you know, and this was one of those games where – you know, when you watch it, you're sitting there saying, how did Cleveland win it? The only time Cleveland mm. led in the game was at the last play of the game. <laughs> yeah. And so, I, I mean, uh, you know, I, now this game should should give Cleveland some life, but as a handicap, how much can you take away from it? They play Pittsburgh next week, which we know their defense is going to sh- show up. We know that. The Ravens in this game, I don't think it was real. Stanley, Stanley, Ronnie Stanley gets hurt in the third or fourth mm. quarter. And the right tackle wasn't in the game. So, you know, that that was that they're played with both their tackles. You know, Morgan Moses was hurt going into the game. So then Stanley gets hurt and they really couldn't run the ball. When the when the Ravens can't run it, they're not the same team. But that's interesting though, because Cleveland was both playing with both of their tackles out as well. Like we were seeing these banged it's up unbelievable. Offensive And they were still I able to, to run touch, the football. I did, I didn't want to touch Cleveland. I just uh, divisional games in the AFC North, and I knew this stat going in right: sixty-nine, forty-three, and three against the spread. So if you take a divisional dog in the AFC North, you're you're probably going to win. But I, I didn't want to touch this game with Cleveland because of the offensive line. Right? It was yeah. really bad, and you know, and so now they, you know, now it became oh my gosh, and they were able to fight their way back in the game. I mean, look. The, the tip ball interception pick. Each team had a pick six. I mean, Kyle Hamilton picks off the first pass of the game and goes 7 nothing. It's 17-3 to before you can sit down in the game. I mean, it was a really remarkable – it's a resilient game. you got to give credit to the Browns for being so damn resilient and coming back and fighting and, and, and overcoming it. But if you're Baltimore, you're sitting there saying, man, we just let one get away. And we were not good on third down, and we couldn't stop the run. I mean, for them to be able to get away, but credit Bill Callahan, the offensive line coach for Cleveland, to get away with playing backups at two at both tackles, and and basically now your quarterback can move around, so that certainly helps. But you know, I mean, to not really feel the pressure of the game. I mean, Christian, I don't even, I never, he played for him, and and they played Hudson at right tackle. They didn't even have Dewan Jones. They didn't even have him in the game. Mm-hmm. I think to me for the. Baltimore Ravens, this is an interesting stat because I think for all three of their losses, whether it's the Indianapolis loss, the Pittsburgh loss, or even yesterday's loss, you can kind of say that they let one get away. Well, here from Good Morning Football, they put out this stat. First 10 games of the season in the last 40 years, the least time trailing. The least time trailing was the 84 Dolphins. They were 10-0. They trailed for 14-46 in their first 10 games. The 1998 Denver Broncos trailed for 27 minutes and 7 seconds. They went 10-0. And then it's the 2023 Baltimore Ravens who have only trailed Michael for 28-46, and they're seven and three. Like, like, like they're, yeah. they're they're close to honestly being like 
a juggernaut, like nine and one, 10 and 0 kind of team. But for some reason, in these close games, I don't know what it is. If this is maybe just fluky, or do you think there's a bigger problem at hand here? But they're letting these games get away and they're ultimately losing them. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, their fourth quarter, they basically in the fourth quarter, they had, they had five first downs and they allowed eight first downs in the fourth quarter. And, you know, that, that's what kills it. And, you know, they were on the field defensively, they were on the field defensively for 34 minutes. You know, and that, that's a hard problem. Typically, Baltimore's the other way around. The game flipped on the block field goal. The game flipped on that play. Mm-hmm. And then Lamar throws an interception at the end of the half. Remember, Watson had to go in and get his ankle taken care of. And so, but I thought, to me, that game kind of flipped on the 55-yard attempt by Tucker, and it got blocked and kind of gave them some life a little bit. And then the Baltimore defense adjusted it it out, and they really couldn't move the ball on them. I mean, they had the quick slant to Beckham for the touchdown, but and then they got a huge break on the fumble. But they didn't do much. I mean, the second half was was not, you know, a Baltimore. Baltimore had, in the second half, they had basically, they had eight first downs. I mean, yeah. really, where Baltimore, Baltimore starts out the game with, with the first quarter was when they were good. After that, I mean, it wasn't the same. Yeah. Uh, kudos to the Cleveland Browns to get this victory there. And like this AFC North, it's starting to compress a little bit. All these teams above 500. And we're going to see them all play each other in week 11. That'll be a lot of fun there. Speaking of which, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they did it again. They beat the Green Bay Packers 23 to 19. I'm sure it was in a, an entertaining afternoon for you as watching I said this game it was. with our guy, Big Daddy, as you said it was. But uh, Pittsburgh once again outgained, but they make the plays at the end of the game. And thanks to a blocked extra point, actually cover the three and a half number as well and this doesn't land on three it ends up yeah. landing on four Steelers now six and three I mean Russo had Pittsburgh in the game how lucky is this bastard? <laughs> he beats, I mean he's three and oh I was one and two for the week and he gets that extra point you know I mean he's going to be walking around I mean I mean Green Bay look all I had I mean they gave up 205 yards rushing I mean if you're going to go play Pittsburgh right if you're Green Bay and you're going to go play Pittsburgh aren't you going to say there's no way I'm going to let them run the ball. I don't care if they get in three receivers. I don't care if they get in four receivers. I might just play. I just might, might just play short yardage and goal line defense the whole fucking game, and dare them to throw it. Like dare you to throw the ball. When you let them have it 36 times for 205 yards, I mean, like, when do you ever stop the run game? I, I mean, they were four for 13 on third down. <laughs> you know. It's just remarkable how, you know, they start off the game. Think about this. Pittsburgh starts off the game with 11 first downs. They have two drives to start the game off, and they get two touchdowns. And after that, they basically just kick field goals and still beat Green Bay. I was stunned by the way they started the game. Like, I, honestly, I was like, oh, the first half under is going to be the lock of the century. Both these teams are terrible in the first half. And then here we go, boom, 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 right down the field there for Pittsburgh, who, despite being outgained, they they just, like, they make plays. Like, And I, I don't really know a better way to describe it because, like, when you look at the underlying metrics, they say that this team shouldn't be as good as they are. When you look at just the eye test, this team shouldn't be as good as they are. But... When it comes down to it, and got to credit Mike Tomlin, their head coach, credit the players that they have. I mean, they did this without Minka Fitzpatrick on defense, but TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, those guys are playmakers, and here they are at 6-3. and three. I'm still not even convinced if they're that good or if they're even good. I'm not but either. the record is, is what they did. They it's believe they three. can win. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they lose Quan Alexander in the first quarter. You know, he's got a, he's got a bad knee injury, leg injury. He, so they've lost now they've lost two inside linebackers. 
They lost Holcomb and now they've lost him. You know, and I mean, look, I, I don't know how they do it. I really don't. It's kind of ugly and, you know, they get nothing out of their quarterback. Warren was great in the games. Nigel Harris was what he had, five yards of carry. I mean, they had two mm-hmm. backs that basically almost uh, they were over five yards of carry in the game. Like, at what point does Green Bay play good run defense? Like, I keep expecting them to be better defensively. And they just never are. I mean, in fairness to Big Daddy, he's been bitching about it. You know, he's bitching about A.J. Dillon giving him the ball. Me too. You know, A.J. Dillon averaged 7.8 yards a carry in the game. He had a nice little big run where he was uh, rumbling and bumbling down the field. (laughs) 40-yarder. 40-yarder, Femi. I mean, look, I I, I feel – I mean, Green Bay is going to have to come to Jesus. I don't know where where it is. I mean, I think the biggest problem with Green Bay is – is I'm not sure they're really in tune defensively. And that's the issue. I keep saying this. If Schwartz coached their defense, what do you think it would look like? Yeah. You know, I think to me we're missing that. Like, like I think Stroud's been great. But the, what Slovak has done for him, I don't think you can minimize the effect of how good the coordinators are in terms of making it better. And then, of course, when you have a quarterback, everybody looks better. You know, every everything looks better when you have that quarterback. But – to me, Green Bay's got some really good players on defense. They just don't get any production out of them. Yeah, and that's the key thing is that like they have invested a lot of resources into that defense, a lot of first-round picks, and it still looks like this. So it's at this at this point, it's time to make a change, and if they don't make a change, we're probably going to see more of the same. Speaking of defensive coaching, let's go out to L.A., where the Detroit Lions win with a game-winning oh. field goal against the Los Angeles Chargers, 41-38. I watched this game very closely. Boy, uh, the Chargers defense, I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum. At this point, it's probably beating a dead horse, but my God, they, they got to do something. Detroit did whatever they wanted. I mean, it, 533 yards of offense for the Detroit Lions. They had 300 yards before halftime. I mean, what more could you really say about this? They had 200 yards on the ground, Femi. 200 yards on the ground. I mean, like, again, you hired this guy to be, you know, you hired him to be the defensive guy to complement your team. You know, and, 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 you know, and credit Campbell. Campbell wasn't like he wasn't could give a shit. I mean, think about this. They, they had 500 and some yards on uh, 533 yards, and they only converted four third downs in the game out of 13. Four out of 13. They went for it five times on fourth down. Five times. You knew they were going to win the game when they got the ball at the end of the game. You knew it. They weren't going to stop them. I mean, and how much more money can they put on the defense? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They're 8.3 yards per play for the Detroit Lions. Detroit's defense, they showed some signs of weakness as well. We talk about how you can run on Detroit. The Chargers tried to do it a little bit there, and they found some success, but uh, Detroit gets the win. They're now 7-2, 41-38. They beat the Los Angeles Chargers. And for the Chargers, man, it it just feels like we're headed toward the eventual split between Brandon Staley and that organization based on how things are going through the first nine games. All right, we'll get to some other games of Sunday Night Football on the other side. Michael, did you light yourself a victory cigar last night? Because I believe the Las Vegas Raiders went ahead and did that. Sunday Night Football, they beat the New York Jets 16-12. to From a scoring standpoint, this is exactly what we expected here. Obviously, the quarterback play, not the best, and these defenses were playing with their hairs on fire. But the Antonio Pierce-led Raiders, now 2-0, and the Jets, well, I guess we're going to have to plead the fifth once again this week. 
Yeah, I mean, look, it, it is what it is, and you know, in the Jets, you can blame you can blame Zach Wilson for the loss, and certainly, you know, the interception to to Spillane was horrendous, right? The, the inability to score in the red zone was also horrendous. How many false starts are they going to have? I mean, I keep thinking every time I get a false start, I go back to what Sean Payton said about the the Broncos last year. How many unforced penalties they had? With the Broncos, like, I don't know if it's the snap count or if what's going on there. But, I mean, every time you turn around, the Jets are in having an issue. I actually was surprised the Jets blocked Crosby as well as they did. You know, yeah. I thought they would he would have more of an impact on the game. The fact that they held up, that, that here's the thing that, you, you, you know, you, you have Zach Wilson playing quarterback for you. You're going in the game, you're saying, we're going to minimize everything he does. So we got to get Br- Brees Hall the game. I mean, Brees Hall had 13 carries for 28 yards. They couldn't run the football. 54 of their 101 yard, 108 yards came from Zach Wilson scrambles. They couldn't run. On the Raiders, they couldn't run. You know, and, and I still kind of thought they had a chance to win the game late. And, of course, he turns the ball over. You know, and Pierce goes for that third down, that third down call where he doesn't do the first down. I'm like, why would we do this, right? Why not just run it here? You know, and then they get away with it. And Chris was happy. He wasn't a, nobody's complaining about anything. I mean, the Raiders are one of those things that they, they kind of are playing at a high-intensity level. I'm not sure they're any better than they were, but they're certainly playing with way more urgency and, and attention and, and kind of they're all bought in. And the fact that they can get Jacobs going, I mean, how many times in this pot have I was complaining about Jacobs not getting he had 27 carries for 116 against the greatest defense in the history of football, right? I mean, that's what he did. And, and, you know, I mean, Sauce Gardner misses that tackle. Nobody mentions that. You know, the open field where Jacobs runs for the 40, for the big run? You know who missed yep. the tackle, don't you? Sauce. Yeah. You yeah. get him on the well, ground there, you, they might not score. <clears throat> they get it in the red zone, and, and O'Connell makes the play of his life. He throws it, throws it up to Mayer, and he gets a touchdown. It, that was that, a weird one. That, that was a weird one. <laughs> that pass to Mayer was a dime. Like, 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 like I, that, that got me, like, when I was watching the game last night, I was like, damn, O'Connell. Like, I didn't, I didn't, maybe that was his intent or whatever, but it was a hell of a pass and great catch by Michael Mayer to get his feet in bounds. But I, I do want to bring up this Jets run defense because this is something that you have been hammering home all season long. And it's funny because every time you watch one of these Jets broadcasts, especially on primetime, they talk about Salah's quote about how like we've played well against the top quarterbacks and like we held Herbert to his worst statistical game. We gave Mahomes problems. We gave Herb uh, or uh, Hurt, Jalen Hurts problems. Like we gave all these quarterbacks problems, but nobody talks about, well, what are they doing on run defense? Because Jacobs, like you mentioned, 27 carries, buck 16. The Raiders were slamming it down their throats. And the play that you brought up there, like like, like the one that stood out to me about the Raiders' urgency, was when they just pushed Josh Jacobs like three to four extra yards to get a first down. I was like, whoa, this team is definitely – like they're taking it to this Jets front there, a front that we've all talked about as one of the best fronts in the league. Yeah, and they're an eight-man front team, right? And all they talk about is how great they are. So they're playing Tommy DeVito. And they give up 203 yards rushing. And the Giants should have won that game. I don't give a shit what anybody said. I mean, the Giants should have won that game. I mean, that was a joke. The next week they play the Chargers. They played great. I mean, Chargers couldn't run the ball on them. But Chargers can't. You know, the Chargers aren't that who they are. The Raiders, who are playing yeah. with Aiden O'Connell, a rookie, they get a buck 48. I mean, you know, when, when Kansas City couldn't run the ball on them. I mean, the Patriots ran for a buck 57 on them. Like, they are not. I mean, when you're an elite defense. To me, like you're an elite defense like Cleveland, right? Like Cleveland. Cleveland, it's hard to run the ball on them. This team, 
They're th they are 32nd in the, in the amount of rushing attempts they face. They're 22nd in yards per attempt against them. And they're 31st defensively in yards allowed against them. That's, those numbers don't translate to great. Like, they don't translate to great. Do I think they get up the field? Yeah, I do. Do I think they put pressure on the quarterback? Yeah, I do. But they don't play well enough to carry the team, especially when weaker opponents like the Raiders or Tommy DeVito or the Giants come in and can run the ball on you when you know that's really all they're going to try to do. Mm -hmm. yeah, and don't look now, but the Raiders sitting at 5-5. Five and five. They're right back in it in the AFC wildcard picture here. But I do want to bring up this one point. This was mentioned on the broadcast. Melissa Stark, the sideline reporter for NBC, brought this up, saying that she talked to Aaron Rodgers, of course, who's uh, right now on IR with the Achilles injury, and said that Rodgers told her his goal is to return by mid-December. We've talked about how this, to me, at least seems like it's pie in the sky. It seems like it's a pipe dream. Uh, what is your reaction to Rodgers now? I guess his goal, quote-unquote, is mid-December to return and maybe save the day for the New York Jets. All right, so they've already had their bye week. So they got they got, they lose, they've lost to the Chargers. They've lost to the Raiders. They're four and five. They got Buffalo and Buffalo. They got Miami and Miami. They come home and play Atlanta and Houston. All right, so let's just say they're four and seven when they come home to play Atlanta week 13 of the season, right? I mean, so, yep. and, you know, Atlanta's December the 3rd. And then December the 10th, or Houston, then they go to Miami. Would you put them on the field in week 15 against Miami? They finish the season with three road games, Miami, Cleveland, and at New England. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, do you really think this is a playoff? Like, why would you put them back on the field? You know, it's the same thing. You know, well, Lombardi, you said that Kyle Murray, look, I think it's ridiculous they're playing Kyler Murray. He's gonna get, if he gets hurt, they're on the hook. Maybe they want to be on the hook. Maybe they want to be on the hook. I don't. I wouldn't want to be on the hook. But maybe they do. Why would you play him? Like why? Would, what's the benefit of playing Rodgers? I know he wants to use this to get back. But if the team's four and seven going into the month of December, which is a good chance they are. And they're going to play the Atlanta Falcons at home. Now, you're going to sit there and tell me, well, they'll beat Atlanta. Okay. Atlanta can run the ball on everybody. They don't throw it. They can run it. All those skill players they've drafted at Atlanta, they can't. I think he threw it yesterday because I, I was on Atlanta yesterday. I, I thought Atlanta was going to beat Arizona yesterday because I thought that they would take advantage of a really bad secondary for the for the the Cardinals and the fact that the Cardinals have get no pressure on the quarterback whatsoever. But the great Arthur Smith decided to only throw it 21 times yesterday, 21. He ran it 41 for 4.5 yards. What is, and, and that just shows you when you run the ball, you don't score points. He don't score. They of all these offensive weapons they've, uh, they've accumulated in Atlanta that they, they couldn't make a play in the passing game. So like, are you going to bring Rogers back to play against Atlanta? And, and, and then I, I don't see how, why you would. Yeah, that, to me, I think it'd be irresponsible from an organizational standpoint. Why even take on that risk when you're likely going to be out of the playoff picture? Like they needed to win these, like you needed to beat the Chargers. You needed to beat the Raiders if you wanted to kind of keep this Rodgers dream of coming back alive, which even if they were in the playoff race, I still think is a little bit improbable. I mean, the guy's 40 years old and we're expecting him to come off of a torn Achilles in less than four months. Like that, like does Behind that, that make line? sense to anyone? Behind exactly. that line? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Behind that line, he's going to get killed. You know, yeah. and are we sure the Jets are really as good? I mean, you know, like I said, 
when, when you when you make them when you know you have to run the ball and they can't stop the run, I mean, look, that game last night, if Jacobs doesn't fumble, that game, they're going to kick that field. Carlson's not missing that field goal. That They won't even – I mean, the, the Wilson interception probably wouldn't even have mattered. Yeah. So, the Raiders, though. That's what gets lost in it, Femi. That's what gets lost in it. I mean, he throws the interception, and they benefited from the fumble, but just say he doesn't fumble, you know? I mean, they were moving the ball. They were running it on every, on every fourth and one they converted. Well, Zach Wilson, obviously under a lot of scrutiny. Uh, also is Mac Jones, who was a fellow 2021 class of qu- quarterback that was drafted in the first round. The Patriots, they fall to the Indianapolis Colts 10 to 6 in Germany. Offensively, wow. boy, it was brutal. Mac Jones ends up getting pulled late in the game. Bailey Zappi was the quarterback on the final drive. He has the fake spike interception to end the game. New England 2 and 8, worst record in the AFC and Heading into the bye week, there's going to continue to be more and more questions about who's playing at quarterback and what is the future for Bill Belichick after this loss to the Colts. Yeah, I mean, look, this was a game where New England actually offensively, they ran the football effectively. I mean, they had the yeah. ball for 34 minutes. They had the ball for 34 minutes. They just can't make a play in the passing game. I mean, that might be one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen. I, yeah. I, I don't know how you put You know, here's what I think people really misconstrue about the Tommy DeVitos, the Zach Wilsons, the Mac Jones. Your team feeds off of that. Kenny Pickett's kind of different, right? It, that, that's what makes Pittsburgh so unique is, like, the players buy into Pickett even though he hasn't played well. Like, they buy into him, and they play. It's like the Raiders with Aiden O'Connell. They're buying into him. They weren't buying into Brian Hoyer, but they bought into Aiden O'Connell. So they buy into him. Whereas with your Mac Jones and your – nobody's buying into it. You know, and people can make excuses. Well, Belichick's broken Mac Jones. How, like, he's doing this intentionally. Like, that's what he wants to be, 2-8, and eight, right? Like, and then Bailey Zappi. Well, people don't know. Hey, Bailey, if you would play better, that might, you might help a little bit. Like, you, you got cut this summer because you were so bad this preseason. You know, everybody said that, that the Patricia's offense was horrible. This is worse. They, they actually ran the ball in the Colts. They couldn't. They didn't protect. They got sacked too much, and they can't make a play down the field. I mean, Mac Jones is six for six for thirty on throws over twenty yards, Femi. Like, Oof. I don't know how you keep putting him out there. When you keep putting him out there, like you keep putting Tommy DeVito out there, you're basically saying to your team, "We're not trying to win. We're not trying to win." That's why he benched him. That's why he had to take him out after that interception. They practiced that play all week long. That was probably one of their best red zone plays, and he threw it up there like a lollipop. Are you kidding me? I mean, how many more games are you going to lose on the last drive of the game? They, play, they, they they had last week Washington. You know, it wasn't his fault, the interception. Okay. Miami the first week, they have a chance that. Philadelphia, they're driving down. They have chances to win games. You know, everybody, well, they're 2-8. and eight, They suck. Yeah, they're not very good. But if they had a quarterback, they would be a lot better. I can tell you that. Yeah. Mac Jones, I mean, we'll see what happens after the bye week, but I mean, maybe he's not going to be the guy. I would be surprised if he's the guy who's starting for the New England Patriots. Is it Bailey Zappi? Is it Malik Cunningham? Do they try to sign somebody else? Who knows? But uh, we'll find out after the bye week for the New England Patriots. On the other side, we'll get to the awards and wrap up some of the other games from around the NFL yesterday. This is the GM Shuffle. All right, let's hand out some hardware, and we will start with the fraud of the week. Michael, who's your fraud of the week after yesterday's action? 
Well, I think the Jags are. I mean, San Francisco, look, I, I, I love San Francisco as you did. You, you were talking about it all week. I thought that they were a great play this week because, you know, Kyle, everyone, well, they're coming off on the road. Brock Purdy's no good. They get Debo back. They get Trent back. You know, and that defense was really good. And I just don't know how good Jacksonville is when they play, when they play a good team. I mean, you know, and the other thing is Trevor Lawrence at home. And I read these numbers on the pod on Friday, on Thursday. He's yeah. he hasn't been good at home. He has not been good at home. And the Niners. I mean, it's thirty-four to three, and I'm I'm not sure the game was as close as that. I mean, the Niners played well. The front was dominating. They they pushed them around and. Like if Jacksonville's going to beat a good, when are they going to beat a good team? You know, I mean, you beat Pittsburgh twenty to ten. Okay, is, is Pittsburgh a good team? You know, I don't know. You know, you played yeah. Kansas City, you lost that game seventy, scored nine points against Kansas City. Yeah, offensively they've scored twelve points against the Niners and the Chiefs at home. Like that's not very good. Trevor Lawrence two interceptions. He also lost a fumble as well in this game. And and like yeah, to me this like I think a lot of people just were overreacting to the Niners. And I get they'd lost three straight. They weren't healthy. Trent Williams is back. Debo's back. Right. They got all but, their complement of weapons. This is still an elite football team. All right. So who's the good teams they beaten? They beat Atlanta. We know they're not a good team. They've beaten Buffalo. Okay. Buffalo was that without. I think what we should do is is basically Buffalo should be like. You know, AD and BC, like it should be Buffalo without Milano, right? You got to count that. So Indianapolis isn't a good team, right? They beat the no. Saints who just lost to Minnesota, who gets the Fred Palermo award. Because I think Kevin O'Connell's calling games like you can't believe. I mean, he's getting yeah. Josh Dobbs to make play. And then they beat Pittsburgh. I mean, so like really, like have they had a signature win yet? I haven't no. seen it. I, I, I haven't seen it yet. No, yeah, maybe they have a chance in a couple of weeks when they play the Houston Texans. That'll be a massive game for the AFC South because if the Texans sweep them and get the tiebreaker, boy, uh, it could be trouble for Jacksonville starting to fight for a wild card there right now. Currently six and three still, though, in first place. You mentioned Minnesota with the Fred Palermo. Let's highlight how good that game plan was because watching that one, Dobbs had a lot of like open throws. Like O'Connell's coaching his ass off, as you said. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's to me, it's like, these guys that can call games, and I think Kevin does an incredible job, the guys are wide open. Like, all you got to do is put it on them. And, and he was able to get – I said I wanted to take the Vikings as one of my plays. I loved the Vikings last week. But I, I kept saying to myself, where are they going to run – how are they going to run the ball? How are they going to run the ball? And on Sunday I said, look, I don't know how it's going to happen, but they'll win. You know, because I wasn't sure how he was going to. Because the week before, they got 66 yards rushing from Dobbs running around. That's how they won the game. That's how they beat it. Well, this week, they get another 44. But I think the undercurrent here that people really did not take into account, besides your fact of you keep bringing it up all the time, and you're right, Dennis Allen is a favorite. Dennis Allen is, a, you know, not good, right? Well, I mean, mm -hmm. th th they have played really good defense in Minnesota over the last few weeks. I mean, the last five weeks, they've played great defense. Six weeks since yep. they lost to, since they lost to the Chargers at home, they've played much better defense, and I, I and the Saints, you know, I mean the Saints are who they are. You know, they're gonna they can beat some bad teams, but when it gets push comes to shove, I mean Carr got a concussion and he's hurt, he re-injured his shoulder again. I mean, I, I'm not sure they any good defensively. They move the ball on a good defense.
Yeah, and for, for New Orleans, we saw Jameis Winston yesterday, and it was the full Jameis experience, two touchdowns, two interceptions. But offensively, though, they looked at least a little more explosive with Jameis at quarterback. Yeah, you're going to get the bad with Jameis as well. But he'll throw well. it up the field. But he'll throw it. I mean, it. he'll yeah. throw it up the field. It's like, it's like, it's like welcome know, back, Chris Car, Olave. Had, eight, <laughs> Car had 18 at I mean, he had 18 attempts for 110 yards. You knew he was going to throw checkdowns. I mean, Winston only had 122 yards, but, I mean, still – Kamara's your leading receiver. You can't get the ball down the field. I, I, I like that Allen was very much about, well, Carr's our starting quarterback. Like, they don't want to offend Carr at all. Like, they don't even want to open the door up for Winston at all. It's amazing. I mean, I know Winston turns the ball over, but it's really kind of remarkable. You go in a game, you're playing Minnesota, they don't have Justin Jefferson, and Hawkinson's got 11 catches, and he's kicking the shit out of you. And he's wide open. I mean, like, did you see it? He's wide ass open. Yep. <laughs> and and credit Dobbs. Dobbs just said, "All right, coach, what am I supposed to do? Hey, hey this guy's wide open. Throw him the ball. Execute." And they move the football 27-19. The Vikings quickly becoming one of the better stories of this NFL season, sitting there at six and four. Jefferson's been out for a month. Cousins is done for the season, and here they are uh, looking like a playoff team with Josh Dobbs, who's been the quarterback for less than two weeks, by the way for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, let's get to on the lamb. Who's going on the lamb this week? Well, I, I think to me, you know, you got to put, again, I now pick on him, but at some point, when do you say to yourself, we can't play quarterback with Tommy DeVito? Like, I mean, you could put Mac Jones on the lamb. He deserves to go on the lamb. You can't start yeah. Mac Jones again. I mean, he has no confidence whatsoever. I Like I said, you can't start these guys where the team does. Look, look, this, the Rams tried it with Brett Rippon, and they said, okay, enough. They cut Rippon, and they bring in Carson Wentz. Give, give, give Sean credit there, right? Sean's like, okay, I, the, the team has no faith. Now, maybe we're not going to win with Carson Wentz, but at least he has a resume. He has something. Like, you know, to me, that, that, that room in New England of quarterbacks, they got to – I mean, I would start Will Greer if I had to. Anybody. And it's the same thing if you're the Giants, you, you can't go back and you're a 10 point you're a 10 point dog to the Washington football team who's no good <laughs> who is not very good 10 point dog I mean this is historic like that that's yeah. just like that and that's because you you're you, there's got to be somebody out there that you could put on the game I mean to I me mean, I, I I don't understand how you can watch practice like I've I think I've seen enough of watching Mac Jones not make a play. You can blame it on Belichick. You can blame it on Bill O'Brien. You can blame it on everybody, right? Okay. All right. It's not his fault. It's not Mac. But probably the best thing for Mac's career is to not keep playing him. Hmm. Yeah. And for Tommy DeVito, who I don't know if you saw or not, people were talking about it over the weekend on social media about how he said that he lives at home with his parents still and like his mom makes his bed or whatever. And there was a meme that said Tommy DeVito, it might be similar to AJ and the Soprano, just going home from practicing. It's like, so what now? No fucking I mean, CD? It reminds me of the Bill. It reminds me of the Billy Joel song, Captain Jack. You know, you know, your mother still makes your bed. You're 25. You know, it's like. God damn. I mean, I grew up in an Italian family, you know, and I know that. But, like, my two boys ain't making their beds. I mean, I'm, I'm not making their bed. They're not living at home. I mean, at some point, that ain't it. God yeah. damn. I was, I was like, I, I'm sure, obviously, Tommy, he was undrafted, so he's not rolling in the dough compared to other NFL players. But I'm like, I'm sure he's still making 
okay money. I mean, you can get a place in Jersey. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the real estate is, is too high in Jersey. They might as well save your money. But I don't. I just thought it was a little funny. I was like, come on, Tommy. Like, I, I, whatever. <laughs> I'm not him. Let's get, let's get to if you don't know, now you know. Well, I, I think there's no question. I, I don't think C.J. Stroud's the MVP of the league. I, I think certainly he deserves all the praise of what he's doing as a rookie. Yeah. And he's got his team five and four. And D'Amico Ryans, along with Dan Campbell, along with Kevin O'Connell, have to be in the coach of the year conversation. You know, but the, uh, Stroud's going to run away with the rookie of the year. There's no question about that. What he's yeah. been able to do to, for that franchise. And it's living proof that as bad as Houston seemed last year, and as bad as we piled up on them, no offensive line, they're so bad, blah, blah, blah. I think you've got to really be more objective and peel it back and say, okay, if you put a good quarterback on this team, you know, the tragedy about the Vikings are their defense is actually much better than it was last year. If you gave them yeah. Kirk Cousins and they didn't oh. turn the ball over or fumble in the red zone like they did earlier in the year, they're actually way better. Like they've actually improved where the Giants from last year haven't improved. You know, they haven't improved. So. You know, I mean, that, that's the hard part. These teams that don't have quarterbacks, I think sometimes we just think they're like the Bears, for example. The Bears are playing good defensively. You could say whatever you want, you know, and, and I wouldn't have paid what they paid for Sweat in terms of draft compensation or for the contract, but they are playing better. Not, not, not specifically because of him, but because they got their players back. But to me, it's like when you can get some quarterbacking play, your team looks a lot better. I mean, it just looks yeah. a lot better. And, you know, look at Seattle. They finally got Geno. I mean, that game was close yesterday, 29-26 on last second field goal. But really, Seattle, that was a game Seattle should have covered easily. They had – you look at the yards yeah. per play. You look at the stats. You're saying, like, how is Washington in this game? Their leading receivers were running backs. They couldn't really get it. I mean, I think Howell's really good. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, they scored 14 points in the fourth quarter against Seattle. They made it a close game. Yeah, no, that's that's one that uh, it, it was it was a really good day betting wise, but it would have been a great day had the Seahawks covered that one. I laid the six with Seattle, and they get they get up seven. I'm like, all right, just get me a stop. And then of course we see Deami Brown uh, dancing in the end zone. I'm like, all right, I'm screwed here. So uh, unfortunate for me with Seattle, uh, a little bit tilting at the end, but they get the victory, six and three. They improve on their record. They're about to face a gauntlet in terms of their schedule here. They get the, the Rams on the road this Sunday, but then after that, it's like the Niners, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Niners again. Like, it's about to get tough here for the Seattle Seahawks. Last one, it is what it is. I mean, look, how many more times are the Chargers not going to play good defense? Think about that. You're never going to see a stat sheet like this ever again in your lifetime. Okay, with seven minutes to go in the second quarter, the Chargers get the ball. They go 10-play score touchdown. From that moment on, every time they touched the ball, they scored a touchdown and they had drives of over 10 yards. The last drive of the game was seven plays and they scored. They scored 35 points every time when they had the ball with, with 7.30 to go in the second quarter and still lost the game. And your head coach is a defensive head coach. Like, come on. Like, come on, please. Will you stop this nonsense? Like, it, it's remarkable. It's remarkable. That they could, that we're even having this conversation. I mean, we're talking about Bill Belichick getting fired in season, and nobody's talking about how shitty of a coach Boy Genius is. Like at some point, as a defensive coordinator, that's what his specialty is, and yeah. their payroll on defense is enormous. Bosa, all the, and, and yet we're talking about the greatest coach of all time getting fired, and Staley just, oh, it's fine, he's good, Cause, you know, because he goes for it on fourth down, so that makes everything much better. 
three for three on fourth down for the Chargers yesterday, but they gave up 41 points. So maybe it doesn't, maybe fix the defense and stop worrying about what you're doing on fourth down. Uh, but that does it for this edition of the GM Shuffle Podcast. Monday Night Football tonight, Broncos and the Bills. We'll obviously recap whatever who you happens. Got? Who you that going with? I think the Bills win, but I think Denver covers. I think Denver keeps it close. But, but give me the Buffalo yeah. win. I'll talk to you on Thursday, though, Michael. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We will see you guys on Thursday's episode.